Well, friends, it is great to be with you today, the 23rd of December. Can't wait for Christmas. Two days to go if you're counting down. Very exciting stuff. You are listening to Radio Pulpit 657 AM and Radio Cape Pulpit 729 AM with me, Mark Penrith, your host today. I am flying solo. Peter is not with me. Who am I, you might ask. I'm the husband of one wife, Liesel, who I have no doubt is listening in right now, the father of Caitlin, Catherine, and Thomas, and I am a pastor at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. And a shout out to everyone who's listening in from our neck of the wood, whether you are in uh, Arcadia, Colburn, or the Moot, uh, wherever you are in Pretoria, it's good to have you with us. But recognizing that we have listeners from all over South Africa, great to have you with us today. Whether you are down in Cape Town, in East London, or in Amamzam Toti, enjoying the waves uh, this Christmas season, glad to have you with us this Friday morning. Table Talk is podcasted. Check out ino.fm or Apple Podcast, uh, Google Podcast to listen, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, does help us get the word out there when you do those things. We are a live listener engaged show, which means, friends, I really do need you to engage with me today. I, I have no desire for this to be a two hour monologue <laughs> where I just kind of talk about whatever flits into my head. Um, much better when uh, I'm interacting with folk that are listening in. In actual fact, if you're listening in right now, would love to know that. So please do send in a comment if you're listening on the Facebook live stream. Uh, if you are on Facebook, do like and share uh, the Facebook stream. I just shared it to my own profiles right now. So to Pastor Mark Penrith as well as to send Central Baptist Church Pretoria um, and it would be great to listen in and to see who is sharing and to see who is liking the posts um, if you would like to phone in maybe you've got a question maybe you have a question about Christmas maybe you have a question about the Bible about how to read the Bible next year a couple of ideas for reading the Bible next year maybe you'd like to share how you read the Bible this year and uh, what that has meant to you and encourage others to do likewise you can do that in a wide range of ways you can phone into the studio the telephone number this morning is 012-334-1322 it is in the show notes of the facebook live stream and vusi our partner in crime this morning is sitting behind the controls pressing all the buttons waiting to answer your calls our co-laborer in the ministry um, great to have you with us and good morning brother you can as I said earlier drop a comment on Facebook I will see that on the dashboard here in studio uh, you can also send in a whatsapp or telegram the telephone number there is 082-657-2729 uh, whether that is a voice note whether that is a message we will get that in studio and if you are a Twitter, I think you can tweet on the handle at 657AM. I have no doubt that Vusi is going to check and make sure that we do get to see that on Colony um, as we speak. This morning, we are live on 657AM Radio Pulpit. We are live on 729AM Radio Cape Pulpit. We are live on Facebook. That's on the page Radio Pulpit, Radio Console. 
and we are on DSTV channel 882, Open View channel 607, as well as on our website www.radiopulpit.co.za. Wherever you are tuning in, welcome. It's good to be spending Friday morning together with you. Well, and. Until we get someone commenting, I guess I need to talk about uh, whatever I need to talk about. So I will talk about reading your Bible until you engage with me. Um, reading your Bible and setting yourself up to read well next year, whether you're reading as a family or as an individual. And I do think that you might have different approaches depending on where you engage um, or, or, or what you're trying to achieve next year. Um, thank you very much, Ingrid. I do see that uh, comment. Uh, hey, Pastor Mark, loved your informative show this year. Yay! Thanks, Ingrid. That's uh, encouraging. Vusi and I are joyful and excited. Enjoy celebrating the birth of our promised Messiah, Ingrid. Thank you, Ingrid, for that engagement and interaction. They came in via WhatsApp, one of the ways that you can speak to us this morning. Maybe just to say, this is a time of year of celebration. It's a time of year where we enjoy uh, celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, born of a virgin. Uh, That's something that we've been speaking about for the last two weeks. If you would like to tell me where you went to um, either watch Carols by Candlelight and participate in a Carols by Candlelight event um, or if you would like to tell me uh, where you'll be celebrating Christmas many people I have no doubt are away on holiday down at the coast or up here in the inland um, uh, how are you planning on celebrating Christmas where are you planning on going have you have you scoped out the churches near you and decided uh, where you will be celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ on Sunday the 25th I'd like to hear that as well as for me and my family, we will be at Central Baptist Church at the Arcadia campus. Uh, there is a 9 a.m. Christmas service, Christmas Day service, where we will be singing carols and listening to preaching from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through to verse 25, um, focusing this Sunday on Emmanuel God with us. It'll primarily be an evangelistic message and opportunity to remember the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ who came into this world to save people from their sins. That's how I'm going to be joining um, Christmas. Vusi's about to type in how he's going to be enjoying Christmas uh, <laughs> so that I can read that out uh, online and uh, we can get the conversation started. But I said I was going to start off by talking about reading your Bible. Uh, friends, let me first make a case for reading your Bible. Um, in terms of growing in the Christian faith, there's many means of grace which God has given to us, including uh, attending services, uh, going to Sunday services, being with God's people, singing um, uh, together with songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, uh, enjoying the ordinances, particularly the the regular ordinance of the Lord's table. So as you take the Lord's table, as you remember the gospel message, as that message is reapplied onto your heart, these are these are means of grace which God uses to build us up in this most holy faith one of the means of grace is reading God's word and can I encourage you I don't think that there is any way 
of knowing more of God, knowing more uh, not just of God but actually knowing God himself than by exposure to God's word. Now certainly you can be exposed to God's word by sitting under the preaching of God's word or the Sunday service. Um, you can be exposed to God's word by hearing the reading on a Sunday um, or by attending a Bible study where somebody else is teaching you. But your personal acquisition of God's word, imprinting it on your heart, bearing it down deep is a wonderful mechanism for growing in grace um, there are things which God can teach you directly from his word by the inspiration of his spirit um, and by the illumination of his spirit because obviously God's word is inspired by the Holy Spirit but God's spirit who is in you if you are a believer illuminates his word to you and applies it into your heart and into your life there are ways of growing in grace which may have been uh, uh, kind of hidden from you if you haven't been reading God's word in the past. But I would encourage you to read God's word. Now, how to access God's word? There's many ways to do that. You you could do it by by picking up a devotional, a good devotional. Um, whether that's uh, in the past, I've read devotionals by John Piper, by uh, John MacArthur. I've read devotionals by. Charles Spurgeon. Um, all of these are excellent mechanisms where often a verse or maybe two verses are read, um, are, are kind of given, and then there's a bit of a devotional explanation and application of what those verses mean to you. That is a good way of accessing God's Word on a daily basis. I remember when I was a kid, <laughs> I don't even know if these exist anymore. Uh, you can tell me <laughs> if you're listening in. Um, where as a kid, we used to have um, like a box. It was a little red or blue box. It had some gold kind of writing on the top of the box. Um, often um, it had an, a number of little cardboard cards. There were different colored cards uh, inside of the box. And they were, I, I think, primarily uh, promises and other scriptures. Um, often they would be uh, kept in the in the bathroom near the toilet, um, uh, as I remember uh, back in those days. Um, a, a great mechanism for accessing God's word. So maybe a card a day, uh, a memory verse a day, something like that. However, let me encourage you to read God's word through in 2023. Read God's word through in 2023. What do I mean by that? Well, God's word was written to be read, um, with the exception maybe of the book of Proverbs uh, from chapter 11 onwards, where there are a series of individual axiomatic phrases. The rest of God's word was read, was written to be read, read in chapters or read in entire books. What do I mean by that? Well, for instance, uh, if you go from Proverbs verse by verse uh, and you move toward the Psalms, the Psalms are given to us um, chapter by chapter, psalm by psalm, song by song. Um, and really, that's the way they're to be read. If you're only ever accessing the Psalms verse by verse, you miss out on the way that the song was given in its entirety, the context that those various different verses that you're reading from the Psalms were given. What do I mean by that? Well, just think of the kind of songs that you've enjoyed through your life, whether you are born in the 70s and enjoyed artists like you 2 and UB40 or whoever else, um, or you were born in the 2000s and enjoyed artists now. 
Now I draw a blank because I don't know any artists <laughs> from the 2000s. Um, I can give you some old artists like the Beatles and the, and the Bee Gees. But Wussy is like scowling his face and shaking his head going, no, come on, man. You, you're not old enough to have enjoyed those guys. I, I have records. I have a record player in my office at church and it's a 1950s record player so it's a it's a it's a really old valve record player and the songs and i've got a number of records i i have i have new pressings of records but even the new pressings of records i have are of old artists so the beatles and the doors (laughs) and uh, um, louis armstrong and i have a of Elvis like maybe too much Elvis <laughs> so that's the kind of music that I enjoy listening when I'm uh, when I'm in my office uh, uh, doing administration or, or whatever it might be um, but but just think of the songs that you've enjoyed through your lifetime you don't just sing one kind of repeated refrain of a song over and over again though if you enjoy a song you you learn the melody and you learn the lyrics and you ponder um the 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 song in its entirety um the reality is that uh, that's the way that we access music today that's the way that the psalms were written they were written to be read and read in their context so an entire psalm at a time in actual fact, some psalms come as a unit. I think of the psalms of ascent. Uh, they were really written to be pondered on by pilgrims as they moved towards the holy city of Jerusalem from far off and distant lands. And they would have been sung um, as a unit as they headed up to Jerusalem in order to conduct a holy pilgrimage. Well, really, if you want to gain something amazing out of the psalms or out of the psalms of ascent you will read them as a unit and ponder them and meditate on them in your heart as a unit not only that if you think of the books of the bible the books of the bible were written as units so if you want to understand what is going on in galatians best you do more than just read galatians chapter 5 the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness um well and self-control i'm fairly certain i left out a fruit there (laughs) but my point is this as good as it is to memorize verses in Galatians of foolish Galatians who has bewitched you Galatians chapter 1 or it is um, for freedom that you have been saved Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 or whatever um, passages in Galatians you have memorized as good as it is to memorize scripture the book of Galatians was given to the church in Galatia which is a region was given that the church in Galatia might have a comprehension of Paul's overall logical thought his overall logical argument and it is for freedom that you have been set free uh, the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace as well as who's bewitched you are foolish Galatians all of those verses have context and have meaning within this wider body of a book which Paul is sending to the church in Galatia give you another example the book of Jude uh, the great benediction at the end now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling present you faultless before his glorious throne with great joy to the only wise God our Savior be all glory majesty power dominion authority forever and ever amen that wonderful benediction at the end of of Jude um, really exists within the context of the body of the book of Jude um, Jude is written that you might contend for the faith uh, who are you to contend against and it lists a series of false 
Paul's teachers in the book of Jude, ending in this great and glorious benediction, which now makes sense because you understand as you are contending against false teachers, many of which might be far more powerful than you are in terms of um, their rhetoric and their ability to speak, well, Who's going to keep you through your whole journey? It's going to be God himself because all glory will ultimately go to him. So even as the memorization of scripture is an important part of growing in grace, it's an important part of maturing, so too reading scripture in its context is a magnificent mechanism of actually understanding what God's intended meaning um, uh, of his word is. And so I would encourage you in 2023 uh, not just to access verses from time to time, but to access God's word in its entirety book by book. Now let me also say, each book of the Bible exists in a context and I would suggest that one of the great mechanisms for accessing the book of Galatians, accessing the book of Jude, accessing the Psalms is to have some understanding how each one of those books fit into the broader message of scripture itself. Scripture was written over a 1,500 year period. It was written by up to 40 authors. It was written in three languages. It was written on three different continents. Um, it is a big book and yet it is very accessible to us um, in English. Um, what do I mean by that? Well, there are many translations that make the access, the reading of Scripture, um, uh, available to you. Uh, we are very, very blessed to have some excellent translations into the English language. And I, I would say, pick up a translation. Maybe pick up a translation that you're not familiar with if you've read through the Bible before. I certainly do try and read through a different translation once a year. So for example, last year in December, well the year before last in December, um, I was going, I knew I'd be starting a new job at Central Baptist Church um, in Pretoria and I knew that they used a translation I wasn't familiar with, the English Standard Version. And so in December of last year, I read the Bible from cover to cover in the English Standard Version um, so that I'd at least read it once before I started pastoring um, at, um, uh, at Central. Um, from January, January, February, March, the first three months of the year, I read the Bible again in the ESV, this time with a number of people from uh, Central Baptist Church. We kind of read it in, in, in unison, in tandem, and then every day we used a, a Bible app. Every day we could comment on what we had read, what we found interesting. In actual fact, that time I read it with my oldest daughter. My oldest daughter is in grade 12. I wanted to read the Bible through once with her um, before she graduated, knowing that she in all likelihood would um, aspire to move out of house and to get a job, uh, which she has in fact done. I'm very proud of her, um, but that's a story for another day um, but I read the Bible through with her in the car as we were driving through to Pretoria because it took us three months before we actually found our home uh, in Pretoria not 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 find our home we'd already found it but you know banks and all of that kind of stuff it all had to go through and so because we had about an hour commute from Benoni uh, both to and from uh, Pretoria uh, we read the Bible so I drove 
um, some of the time and she read. Uh, other times she drove because at the time she was trying to get her learners, uh, her driver's license. She had her learners um, and I read to her. But the bottom line is we worked through first the New Testament and then went back and started reading through the Old Testament over that period of time. What I'm saying is I, I do this myself and I commend it onto you. Read the Bible. It has intrinsic value reading it as a solid unit. All of a sudden, uh, particularly if you've done it a number of times, you begin to see how the pieces of the puzzle fit together. Um, another mechanism which I've used, uh, and obviously the, the standard mechanism would be plan to read through the Bible once in the entire year. That way you pace yourself. It's really easy to do. You open your Bible when you wake up in the morning and you spend about 15 minutes reading. You will get through the Bible in a year. I will check that out uh, a little bit later. Um, but at least four or five times over the last 12 years, I've read through the Bible in a week. So in other words, you wake up early. Um, I normally, uh, in fact, every time that I've done this, I've used an audio Bible. And so I've Push play on an audio Bible. Uh, sometimes I've listened to an audio Bible on times two speed because I get a little bit bored um, at the slowness of some of the readers. Um, and then you spend eight hours, uh, sometimes a little bit more, uh, in your day just reading the Bible. You will get through the whole Bible in a one week period. Um, the advantage to that is that you get to see the the 50,000 foot view you know how an eagle uh, a pigeon flies pretty close to the ground and can see a couple of trees and a house maybe um, but an eagle flies at 50,000 feet probably doesn't that's probably an aeroplane um, but my point is an eagle's much higher up and gets to see the entire is expanse um, underneath it of, of hills and mountains and valleys and forests and glades well take an eagle view of scripture read through the whole of scripture in order to understand the smaller parts of scripture whether that be books whether that be chapters or whether that be verses themselves as you go through god's word you will see how each piece of this puzzle fits together um, let me be like really practical and give you at least one of the mechanisms that i've used in order to do that if you go to bible gateway.com biblegateway.com I will put that in the comments on Facebook right now so biblegateway.com is the, the the tool which I use most more often than not in order just to read scripture um, biblegateway.com uh, has got on the left hand side as you come into the thick client um, at the top read the Bible if you click on read the Bible um, it'll immediately give you options like uh, reading plans, advanced search, available versions, uh, versions, and audio Bibles. If you had to click on reading plans, it will give you a number of different reading plans. Like um, really, uh, the Old and the New Testament uh, each day includes a passage from both the Old and the New Testament. A chronological read, a chronological read would maybe do Genesis chapters one to eleven, so up to the Tower of Babel, and then would cut to the Book of Job. Because chronologically, Job, in all likelihood, 
comes before the story of Abraham. Um, yeah, and then, or it certainly was written probably before Genesis, uh, before Moses uh, wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Job being a very early account uh, in terms of the way that worship uh, is experienced in the book of Job. So maybe a chronological plan, if you've never read through the Bible chronologically. Um, Maybe you start right from the beginning and you read all the way to the end. That's the third option, uh, a historical reading of the Bible, the Bible in 90 days, which is a great way of accessing it quite quickly and, and not difficult to do. If I remember correctly, you're reading about 10 chapters a day uh, if you're reading the Bible in 90 days. Um, uh, I'll go and check that a little bit later. Uh, or just the Gospels in 40 days. One of the things that I've done in my lifetime, I did it relatively early after I came to faith, was for um, 30 days, so for one month, I read through the book of John every single day. So just the book of John. John's not a very long uh, book. We're talking, what, 21 chapters or thereabouts. Um, and as you go through the book of John, you read it once and you discover that it's about Jesus. You read it the next day and you read it through. And uh, we're talking about an investment of, what, 21 chapters. That's an hour, maybe, um, or thereabouts. As you get to the end of the book of John on the second day, you go, hmm, this book has got a, a number of important signs in it. You read it the third day and you go, hmm, this book is about the signs of God. Um, you read it the fourth day, you go, mm, this book is about believe. There's like an exhortation to believe. You read it the next day and uh, you, you, you discover over and over again in the book of John, um, John's intention until maybe you reach the discovery that these things are written, that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing in him, you might have eternal life. That's John's own summary of the book that you can discover at the end of the book of John. But the bottom line is if you access the book daily in that way you will really grow an understanding of the book of John of course there's other books that you might want to discover in that way so regularly reading one book every day until you actually understand it the book of Romans is a great book if you want if you love theology you love the doctrine of salvation then just read the book it's only 16 chapters uh, it's not going to take you forever read the book of read the book of Romans over and over over again once a day um I, i've recently because i'm i'm getting kind of i've hit middle age right so i'm in my mid 40s and um, when you hit your mid 40s your your waist will expand and you'll realize hmm, i need to do a little bit of exercise so I, there's a couple of staff members at central that exercise a lot they're runners i can't handle running but i can walk so i've started to walk and uh yesterday i went on a 6k walk it took an hour i think in 10 minutes i'm not the fastest walk on the planet um, but an hour and 10 minutes is enough to cover a considerable portion of God's word. So what you do is you take your phone and you put in a pair of earphones and you listen to the Bible. Um, I said I'd be practical. Um, if you go to BibleGateway.com, uh, that's Bible, B-I-B-L-E, and then Gateway, G-A-T-E-W-A-Y.com. Um, if you go to BibleGateway.com, and I have now put... Um, that link uh, into the comments on the live stream on Facebook and you type in at the top Genesis chapter 1 you will get the um, the beginning of Genesis right now it's giving me in the English Standard Version although you can read it in 
tons of different English translations and, and Greek translations and other translations but uh, I have in front of me in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth that's Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 there is a little button on the top right hand corner which says listen to Genesis chapter 1 if you click that button um, it will immediately start to read the book of Genesis to you you probably can't hear it going on in the background because I've turned my sound on my computer down so that it doesn't interfere with the show this morning um, but you can listen to Genesis when it gets to the end of the chapter uh, of Genesis chapter 1 and behold it was very good and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day the audio will then just automatically skip to Genesis chapter 2 so if you're going for a walk because you are middle-aged like Mark or because you are ultra um, sporty like Vissy, um if you are you know doing gym uh, during the week a couple of days or you are hanging up the washing and you would like to read the Bible during the kinds of things that you normally do one of the easiest ways to do it is to just go to biblegateway.com and search for wherever you are in the word currently and then click on the audio here's a practical recommendation I've already alluded to it but now let me make it explicit if you are planning on reading through the Bible, can I encourage you not just to read um, the Bible uh, as it is, but to have an audio going while you read. It will help you to pace your reading. So a professional person who has read the Bible um, and this is what they do, they are excellent at, at reading, will, will help you to pace your reading um, will help you to stay alert and stay awake while you're actually f reading the physical copy. Not only that, when you get to difficult words, now here's the thing, the Bible was written, what, uh, 2,000 years ago, let's say the New Testament, and 3,500 years ago, let's say the Old Testament. The Bible was written a very long time ago, and some of the names of people and some of the places that they go to are crazy. Like, you, you just, you, you look at this word and you, you don't even know where to start if you're listening to audio while you're reading the Bible it makes it easy to access some of the language some of the difficulty um, uh, yeah uh, let, let me give you some more kind of practical advice like what version of the Bible to read now you currently, I'm hoping, God willing, are attending a church. You are enjoying the means of grace of a local church. And uh, your local church, in all likelihood, has a standard translation which they use to preach from. Um, that, that would be fairly common practice amongst most good teaching churches. Um, and I'm hoping that the that the version which they are preaching from is some is one of these although there are many different versions of the bible it's not my intention to insult every anyone if i by accident don't call out your particular translation um it's not that i have anything against you although there are some versions which are better to read than others if i had to be entirely honest um but as you are kind of preparing to read through the Bible it is wise to read through one translation at a time don't read kind of like Genesis 1 to 11 using the ESV Genesis 12 to 50 using the King James and and kind of chop and change no pick a translation and then stick with it um, my favored 
translations would be um, the New American Standard Bible, particularly if you're a first language English speaker and you are a student of the Bible. It certainly is the most literal of the translations and makes every effort to get as close to the original Greek as possible, particularly on verb tenses and uh, verb uh, verb voices and verb moods. And so uh, my encouragement to a first language English speaker is give the New American Standard Bible a try. Um, and let me also just caveat it by saying that um, it's particularly useful for studying the New American Standard Bible. Maybe not for, maybe not for reading, a little bit kludgy uh, for reading, but certainly for studying. If you want to be a student of God's Word, um, try and read through the, the New American Standard Bible or off the New American Standard Bible as a kind of supercharged version uh, would be the Legacy Standard Bible. I particularly enjoy some of the translative decisions that the Legacy Standard Bible have made and would commend that to you. Those might be two new translations that you haven't heard of. Um, it might be that you want to give those a try. Um, the English Standard Version is obviously a very uh, a favored version, particularly in South Africa, particularly amongst, let's say, um, the more Reformed uh, churches, uh, English-speaking churches. So that would be the English Reformed Church, that would be the Presbyterian Church, that would be um, certainly a Reformed Baptist churches and Evangelical Baptist churches. Um, I find the English Standard Version um, accessible, not necessarily as um, as close to a literal translation as the New American Standard Version, but certainly an accessible um, uh, version which tries to capture some of the legacy of the past. So you, 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 you have a feel in the English Standard Version for some of the legacy translations. And when I say legacy translations, I'm really referring to the King James Version. Um, and so, for example... Um, I think I'm right in saying this, but in Matthew chapter 1, um, when the angel appears to Joseph in a dream, you have the word behold. Whereas a new translation would probably translate the word behold as look or see. Um, but as a kind of throwback to history, and to the past, the ESV will translate that word as behold, which, by the way, is actually a fairly good translation of the text because it does mean a little bit more than just look or see. It's an, kind of an imperative. It's, 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 it's commanding you to look. It's, a, it's an arresting word. Um, and so I do, I do kind of like that. Um, but if I turn to the third translation, which I'm going to recommend, which is the Christian Standard Bible, um, in the Christian Standard Bible, uh, on those same passages, um, it's, it, it, it actually drops out the word behold um, in, uh, in verse 20, which is, I'm fairly certain where it was, and again in verse 22. Now all this took place. And so the Christian Standard Bible would be a modern translation and that would be an example of a translation which drops out the word behold. However, if you just want to read the Bible and you want a faithful, trustworthy translation, 
and you want to just be able to read and have an understanding this is not going to be a deep dive study for you you would like a translation which is easy to access and easy to read can I commend the Christian Standard Bible to you the Christian Standard Bible is published by Holman um, the ESV is published by Crossway um, the Christian Standard Bible is a very simple to read but faithful to the original text uh, translation I certainly have had much reading pleasure out of it I've read it a number of times um, and I find that its translative decisions are in line with what my expectation is from the original Greek manuscript um, and I find that an an excellent translation if you are higher grade you've read the Bible a couple of times already you've read the Bible in the ESV you've read the Bible in the CSB or the NIV and you are looking for something of a challenge for 2023 well then can I commend the King James version to you um, and I would say that this would be my fourth choice um, so my first choice in terms of if you're reading the Bible for the first time would be the Christian Standard Bible followed by the English Standard Version followed by the New American Standard Bible or the Legacy Standard Version my, my fourth option would be the King James Version why not King James Version first well because of two primary reasons one is it rests on a set of Greek texts which I believe are inferior um, to the Greek texts which are used in those first three translations uh, the Greek text that it uses is Texas Receptus and so I would encourage not to use it as your first call um, but secondly uh, it really has some archaic language uh, I mean it, it can be very kludgy to read in most places uh, and so it does definitely require you to to have a first Firstly, a really good grasp of the English language, um, and secondly, um, some staying power to get through it the whole way through. Um, however, much value in reading the King James. So, for example, um, English language speaking commenters from anything further than a hundred years ago were using the English, uh, the King James version, uh, in order to put together their commentary, in order to put together uh, what they were saying, and so as you access guys like Spurgeon or guys like Whitfield or guys like um, uh, I'm, I'm thinking back to uh, to older commenters uh, uh, Jonathan Edwards um, and beyond um, they will be commenting out of the King James Version which makes it a wonderful mechanism for understanding the language that those kinds of guys are using and so if you've read through the Bible two or three times this year might have a massive advantage of reading the KJV. Um, Amma says rightfully that the KJV added many scriptures. Now, now that's true, but it's not true just because the English translators decided that they wanted to give a little bit of extra information. Um, what happened was the English translators, Amma, were using a source text uh, called the Textus Receptus. And the Textus Receptus has the additional um, verses that um, that you are referring to in them and so those verses would include a section in for instance John chapter mm. now I'm kind of forgetting where Textus Adulterus is I think it's John chapter 11 um, in John chapter 11 uh, the story of the woman who is um, caught in adultery no it's not John chapter 11 I'll, I'll get that for you now um, but that would be a portion of 
um, about 11 verses uh, that um, the Textus Receptus adds in. The end of the um, book of uh, Mark, for instance, Mark chapter 11, oh, it's John chapter 8, verse 1 to 11. It actually starts at John chapter 7, verse 58, um, the, 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 the inserted portion, and it goes until John chapter 8, verse 11. Um, but that would be an example where the Texas Receptus adds additional information, which actually I can't see in any um, likely uh, event being in the original manuscripts um, because that portion of scripture uh, just isn't contained um, in any of the oldest and best manuscripts um, it's only found in manuscripts that are dated very very late um, and not only that it's found all over scripture sometimes in the book of Luke sometimes at the end of John sometimes at the end of the entire Bible um, and and so I would certainly consider that an insertion um, and then the end the whole end of the book of Mark Mark's gospel ends at the tomb uh, it doesn't end with the ascension of Jesus uh, into heaven um, there is an additional portion in the Textus Receptus upon which the King James Bible rests uh, that continues that story and brings it to a logical conclusion but a conclusion that I don't think Mark intended and so uh, when it comes to uh, the KJV I definitely think it's a great fourth read um, uh, third or fourth read um, but I certainly wouldn't encourage it as the first read the first read the Christian Standard Bible excellent translation very accessible um, and a great place to start and then uh, and then again just to encourage you uh, biblegateway.com uh, is a great way to access audio versions in fact most of the Bibles that I've recommended whether it be the New American Standard Bible the Legacy Standard Bible the Christian Standard Bible the ESV and the KJV in all of those um, on Bible Gateway there are multiple audio versions that you can listen to so uh, because reading the bu- reading the bible is an investment of time it's not going it, to it's it's a real investment of time or listening to an audio version of the Bible is an investment in um, your ear <laughs> your listening and uh, there's some voices that just are going to rub you the wrong way and, and so a huge advantage of having multiple options of voices that you can listen to some are dramatized so if there's a fight scene you'll hear the clang of swords in the background and the shouting of people um, if there's a large crowd um, others uh, lack all that dramatization it's just a person reading uh, kind of in a James Earl Jones voice that wasn't even a good uh, <laughs> that wasn't even a good James Earl Jones uh, attempt um, but um I would commend that you both read and listen at the same time. And let me say, if you don't have the ability to read, listening to the Bible is a just in our day and age. You have so many options to do that. You can certainly do that um, through BibleGateway.com and other mechanisms. Um, but if your practice is just to listen to the Bible, so maybe late at night you turn on the Bible before you go to sleep and you just listen. Can I encourage you in 2023 to give reading while you're listening 
a chance. Um, your retention of what you are exposing yourself to will certainly be better um, if you both read and listen simultaneously. Read and listen simultaneously. It's the same kind of logic that we apply to our children uh, in terms of prepping for exams and uh, we apply to ourselves in terms of if we're wanting to get content we will read and we will listen uh, and that will help us to both understand and and remember uh, what we have had exposure to um but to start the show today um we've been speaking about reading the bible in 2023 and we've been speaking about how you might read the bible i do want to say thanks to ingrid and to amma who have um, engaged uh, on the show this morning and maybe just to say to you guys are you planning on reading through scripture um, this year if you are planning on reading through scripture this year how are you planning on reading through scripture this year when are you going to get started are you starting on the 1st of January or are you planning on enjoying watching the fireworks on uh, on the 31st of December and so the 1st of January you are going to be chilling next to the pool with a bra on and that's it you're going to start your reading program on the 2nd or on the 15th or whenever it might be of January um, how are you planning on accessing the Bible. When we come back from the break, we will be taking questions and answers. And so even as we come up to the break, let me tell you how you can engage with us this morning. Um, you can uh, join the conversation by calling in uh, to our studio. Our studio line is 012-334-1322. Guys, Vusi is sitting behind the controllers. He's waiting to take a call. The poor man is falling asleep as we speak. Keep him awake and phone in to the studio with a question and answer and observation this morning. You can also drop a comment on Facebook. We're currently live streaming to Radio Pulpit Radio Console and I will see that if you comment on that page and you can send voice notes on to WhatsApp and on to Telegram as well as messages to the same on 0826572729 we are going to be going for a break we coming up for the top of the hour so we are going to be going on for a break um, before we do we're going to be listening to Lord There's None Like You sung by Desiree Ramelia well friends it is very good to be with you um, for the second half of the show it's uh, just gone 10 o'clock literally we have one hour to go until 11 and then i will bid you season's greetings next week we will have a recorded show um online as i'm going to be at on holiday with family down at the coast can't wait for that um but i am looking forward to the new year i'm looking forward to being with you in the new year i'm looking forward to a great lineup of shows which we have uh, together with you a couple of new features um on tabletop Talk uh, with Mark for a start. It's no longer Table Talk with Mark. It's now Table Talk with Mark and Peter. Um, so in the hot seat next to me uh, will be Peter Smith from Pretoria North Baptist Church. I'm looking forward to engaging with him. Um, I find him a very loving, pastoral, um, informed uh, voice. And so I'm looking forward to partnering with him into 2023. 
three. Um, sometimes he will be in the driver's seat alone. Sometimes I'll be in the driver's seat alone. But more often than not, uh, we'll be engaging together, um, answering Bible questions and answers um, and interacting with you, the listening audience. Um, over and above that, we're also looking forward to next year having our friends from Freedom of Religion South Africa back for a weekly insert in terms of the rolling discussion between the church and the state. So I always enjoy speaking to Michael Swain and Daniela Ellebeck, um, both of whom are involved in law and in advocacy and in interaction um, at a state level uh, in terms of the freedom of religion. A second insert that we're looking forward to next year is a conversation with uh, friends of mine from the Baptist Theological College. Uh, Each week, uh, Daryl Soul, the principal of the college, uh, will join me and just have an interaction and engagement on a matter of theology. Uh, It won't be a long insert, but it certainly will be an interesting insert and hopefully will inspire some questions um, to come out of the listening audience, um, both informing the discussion but also coming out of the discussion. Another insert will be a week in the history of where Peter will just talk about something which occurred that week in church history um, so that we can take a look at uh, at the ages and how God has um, been engaging and interacting with his people through both ancient and modern church history. And then the third uh, interaction is a spotlight on where we'll speak to a friend from a local church. Uh, we started that actually last week where we spoke to uh, Sibu Siso from the church in Mamelodi. This week we're going to be speaking to a friend of mine, Tolo Fellow. Um, he's from a church in Bloemfontein and we are going to be engaging um, about uh, pastoral matters and I think that that will make for very engaging and interactive listening uh, for the audience and then of course we will continue with your Bible questions and answers cookie thank you very much for sending in your question I do see that I'm looking forward to answering it um, shortly Um, before we get to that though uh, let me just uh, uh, say that you can engage with the show this morning by sending in Bible questions and answers and you can send them in uh, to uh, either uh, phoning into the studio uh, 012-334-1322 you'll speak to Vusi, he'll answer the call and you can either give him your question or alternatively you can come live on air and we can chat uh, for a bit and engage on your Bible questions and answers um, in addition to that, you can drop a comment onto Facebook. That's our Radio Pulpit Radio Console uh, Facebook live stream. I will see that live in a studio. Then most of the questions that have come in today and interactions that we have had uh, today have come in via WhatsApp. Let me give you the WhatsApp uh, telephone number. It's 082-657-2729. And uh, you can send in either a question, written question, or alternatively a recorded voice note, and we will uh, engage with that live on air. Uh, let's go now to a question. Um, it comes in from uh, Cookie, and it is a very good morning to you, Pastor Mark. Quick question. A close family friend is really ill and in hospital, um, and uh, it's so confusing because this friend is truly a man after God's own heart. He totally believes in divine healing. God has been good to him and has used him to pray for many. Now he lays helpless in hospital 
and he has uh, refused surgery to his heart why is he not being healed he has great faith and um uh, I, I can just see from the way that this is written and from the emoticons uh, that this certainly is um, really on your heart, Cookie, and is creating um, some some real pain uh, and confusion to you. I, I hope that the answer is pastoral and uh, speaks to your heart and encourages your confidence in God. Um, let, let me take a little bit of time, even before I speak to a particular circumstance, just to put um, both death and disease and turmoil and tribulation and difficulty into context. Cookie, we were not created um, for the mess that we experience in this world. God, when he created the world, created it in untested perfection absolutely perfect and beautiful in every way and you can imagine uh, a good God creating a good creation uh, an imaginative God creating an imaginative creation um, just the, the the colors in the world the diversity of animals and of of flowers and of trees and the the, the beauty of things like warmth and 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 cold and God created all of this and he created it perfect and into this perfect world he placed a king and a queen we call them Adam and Eve and he gave them the world and gave them authority to rule in the world um, he gave them one commandment that they went to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil it was a tree which he had planted in his garden and he gave man a task to tend the garden and to take care of everything and things would have been perfect for all eternity in actual fact we read in that story that God in a peculiar way uh, was God with us over that period of time uh, in Genesis chapter 3 we read of God walking in the cool of the evening and um, calling out to Adam that, that God was with us in sweet communion and sweet fellowship we were created um, eternal beings we had access to what is called the tree of life um, it was a world of no death uh, where people would never die uh, I think of the um, the words of a of a a, a, an artist um, uh, lyrics which he penned um, a, a number of years ago in fact when I was a kid I used to I used to listen um, to a song called Adam Where Are You by an artist called Don Francisco and his first verse reads like this unashamed and naked in a garden that has never seen the rain rulers of a kingdom full of joy never marred by any pain the morning all around them seems to celebrate the life they've just begun and in the majesty of innocence the king and queen come walking in the sun i think that's wonderful poetic language that really captures in essence genesis chapters 1 and 2 genesis chapter 1 being the creation of god of everything out of nothing and genesis chapter 2 being a kind of a a, a deep dive into day 6 the creation of man and woman and man being joined to woman and the two becoming one and really the picture is of everything being very good but as Don Francisco goes on to say in the second verse of his song the master of deception 
now begins his dissection of the word. Um, the snake, who we know from the rest of scripture, being Satan, the deceiver, the accuser of the saints, Lucifer, um, the morning star, um, comes into the picture. We, we know from other portions of scripture that Satan had fallen from heaven, taking one third of the angels with him, uh, that this cherub, this beautiful cherub, which was created for the worship of God, now comes to man and uh, deceives Eve and telling her to look upon this fruit, this this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, to look on it and, and, and undermines what God had said. Did God really say that if you eat of this, you'll surely die? No, no. In fact, God knows if you eat of it, you will be like God, which in actual fact is what Satan wants to be. He wants to be like God, set on God's throne. He wants to be like God, powerful um, over dominion. He, he wants to be like God in every way. And he tempts man with the same evil which is in his heart, to be like God. Well, Eve looks upon the fruit, sees that it is beautiful to look at. Um, takes of it, breaks it, and then shares it with Adam. Now, Adam should have known better. He had received the commands of God. Adam should have known better. He should have acted as a federal head um, over Eve and said, Eve, no, we're not to do this. Adam should have known better, created an untested perfection um, in, in innocence. Uh, he should have uh, denied uh, what was being offered to him um, and remained obedient to God. But Adam didn't. Instead, Adam sinned. Um, Adam took of the fruit and Adam ate. And we read in, for instance, Romans chapter 5, that through Adam, sin has come to all the world. So that all the world really groans under the weight of the curse that Adam's sin, the consequences that Adam's sin has wrought. Well, the rest of Genesis chapter 3 is relatively Oh, not relatively, it's totally tragic, um, ex with one exception, and I'll get to that exception now. Um, Genesis chapter 3, uh, God curses. Uh, he curses the serpent, he curses the woman, and he curses Adam. Now, to the serpent, uh, the curse includes um, hostility between the serpent and the woman, between her offspring and your offspring, um, and this promise, this this the seed of promise which we see fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ, that the offspring of Eve will ultimately strike the serpent's head, even as the serpent strikes his heel. Um, a pre cursor, a, a proto-evangelion, the, the start, the, the genesis of the gospel, um, even in those words. And so even in the midst of God cursing man because of their sin, God cursing the serpent because of the sin that has entered into the world, we already have the thread of the salvation, the, the salvific plan that God will use in order to save man from his sins. He, he curses the woman um, and it's around childbirth and it's around a desire to be over her husband um, and this this kind of challenge that men and women will then always face that he will rule over you and this tension that now enters even into the relationship between Adam and Eve even as there is now tension in the relationship between um, God and man. But the last curse he, he leaves for Adam. 
And he says, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor. All the days of your life, it will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow. Just that far, and just to say that, the curse of man includes the curse of all of creation. The reality is sin has affected. Sin has infected all of the world. It is a sad state of affair, affairs. But we currently live in a world which is fallen because of sin, because of the sin of Adam. And then this last part of the curse is really important to the conversation that we're having right now. Until you return to the ground, since you were taken from it, for you are dust and you will return to dust. The bottom line is um, we no longer experience eternal life. We whose souls are made for eternity, <laughs> we who are people who, who have this desire, uh, kind of innate and inside of us to live forever and ever, all of a sudden we are constrained to die in this world barred from the tree of life um partly probably as a um as a benefit that we would die a first death we wouldn't just live in our sinful state forever and ever um but but we will know death we will understand death we will each and every single one of us experience death um, and we see that in verse 22 when the Lord God said, Since man has become like one, like one of us, knowing good and evil, he must not reach out and take of the tree of life, eat and live forever. In other words, uh, we no longer will live in this first life forever and ever. And we see that playing out in Genesis. If you had to just kind of turn the page over, we see the line of Cain uh, and we see generation of of the issue of Cain, that's Adam and Eve's children, Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel, and Cain's generations uh, live, and they are wicked people. Um, but there is another child born of Adam and Eve named Seth, and we read about Seth's generations in chapter 5 of the book of, Gen uh, of Genesis. And what we read really is a graveyard as each and every person from the line of Seth dies. So whether it was Adam, whether it was Seth, whether it was Enosh, whether it was Kenan, whether it was Mahalalal, whether it was Jared, whether it was Enoch, whether it was Methuselah, whether it was Lamach, in actual fact I do need to make an exception in terms of Enoch, but each one of them lived and died and were buried um, because ultimately each one of the children of Adam will face the curse that Adam's uh, that came into the world through Adam. The exception there is Enoch who walked with God. What that meant uh, is that he was not there because God took them. Some of that is shrouded in mystery. Some of that might be revealed in the end times, um, but that's a question for another day. Right now, the point that I'm that I'd like to make, Cookie, and we need to understand is we live in a fallen world and we live as fallen creatures and we live with the consequence of sin. Adamson, which we have inherited, Adamson, which has been imputed to us, and our own sin. The truth is all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We read that in God's word, both the Old and the New Testament. We read that both 
before Christ and after Christ for it's repeated for us in Romans chapter 3 all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God the wages of sin is death there is no one righteous no not one that includes you that includes me that includes everyone that we have ever come into contact with and so even if a person has placed their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior they have been granted the second birth they will still die once unless the Lord comes and brings us home they will still die once and thereafter face a second and eternal life or a second and eternal death if they die and they are not in Christ what does that mean well that means that all the issue of Adam every single generation throughout all time face the consequences of living in a fallen world we face the realities of difficulty and turmoil and tribulation and disease and ultimately death it is a scary reality living in a fallen world and that doesn't have anything to do or our our ultimate end our end in death hasn't got anything to do with the size of our faith I mean you think of people even from even from the Bible who were of immense faith a man such as Moses I mean Moses literally saw the face of God uh, well saw the back of God um, and had his face covered Uh, he saw the glory of God and yet Moses died even before he entered into the promised land so did Joshua who took over from Moses Um, so did the kings um, King David Uh, the greatest king a man after God's own heart died so did Solomon um, David's immensely wise son Uh, so did the apostles I mean the apostles died dreadful deaths whether it be Matthew or or, or Mark or Luke or John did I say Mark Mark wasn't an apostle Um, uh, whether that be Bartholomew or um, Peter each of them died uh, not because they lacked faith they died because we live in a world where we face the consequences of Adam which then brings us even to today the reality is we as believers live in the same world where Adam sin and we as believers face the same consequences as believers have throughout all the ages let me give you a couple of examples um, Paul, for instance, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 20, left his friend, and we ascertain from Scripture, a faithful saint, Tromphius, sick in Miletus. Um, he left him there because he was ill. He was dreadfully ill. Um, Paul speaks of um, Epaphras as having been near the point of death in the book of Philippians, um, I'm fairly certain. Uh, if you think of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7 to 9 Paul speaks of himself and he speaks of a physical ailment that the Lord had declined to heal when Paul speaks of uh, to his young uh, protege in the faith Timothy he tells Timothy uh, quite plainly that he must take a little bit of wine for his stomach because clearly Timothy has something of a stomach ailment the reality is just because you are in Christ doesn't mean that you are exempt from the curse which has come into this world through Adam now two things one is ultimately what we need to be saved from is not the first death that we will all face um, justly because of our sin 
But what we need to be safe from is an eternal separation after that death from God. That is why Jesus came into this world. He came into this world to save his people from their sins. His people in Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 to 25 being the Jews and that is certainly where salvation starts. But salvation comes to all men through Jesus Christ because just like as in Adam through one man sin has come to all men so in Christ through one man life can come to all men. Salvation can come to all men. Jesus is not just a baby in a major that we celebrate at Christmas. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world that we celebrate at Easter. And Jesus is the risen and glorified King of Kings who has ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father on high who we celebrate at Ascension Day. Jesus is that King who is coming to take Take his bride home and to establish his kingdom forever and ever at the end of the book of Revelation. That's the hope that we have. We have a hope that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Christ, that he is the Son of God, and that by putting our faith and our trust in him, we might be saved. I'm reminded in the book of John of Jesus speaking to the two sisters of Lazarus after Lazarus had died in John chapter let's go with 11 in John chapter 11 and um, I mean that's a very fascinating conversation in the context of what we're speaking about right now Cookie um, in John chapter 11 a man was sick a, a Lazarus from Bethany uh, that was uh, the village of Mary and her sister Martha you might remember them uh, that's the the two ladies the one sat at Jesus's feet and the other served him and Jesus said that uh, Mary had chosen uh, the better of the two uh, because she had exposed herself to the teaching of Jesus Christ they, these were people that Jesus was friends with but in actual fact um, we, we read about also Mary uh, she's the one who anointed Jesus with perfume and and wiped his feet with her hair now it's her brother Lazarus that is sick in John chapter 11 you can read in your own Bible along with me and so the the two sisters they send Jesus a message to say Lord the one you love is sick the one you love in other words this isn't just a person that Jesus knows this is a person that Jesus the son of God loves this is a person who is important to Jesus. Well, when Jesus heard of it, he said to his disciples, look, the sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God, that's him, might be glorified through it. And it says that Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. Okay, so it's, John is trying to make it abundantly clear that you understand the relationship that Jesus has with Mary, with Martha, and with Lazarus and so when he heard that he was sick he stayed two more days in the place where he was I mean it's a shocking statement in the book you've got this crisis right and um, Lazarus is sick but you have the Son of God that you write a letter to and not only that you know him well <laughs> he likes you he's friends with you he loves you and you write him a letter and you say hey listen yeah Lazarus is sick and what does Jesus do well he just waits he just stays where he was. He doesn't rush to Lazarus. After that, he says to his disciples, let us go to Judea. 
and uh, the disciples say look the Jews try to stone you down there maybe you shouldn't go and Jesus says look I, I've come to do exactly that um, and then he says our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep what he really means when he says sleep is that he has died and he says I'm on, his, I'm on my way to wake him up they say Lord if he's fallen asleep he'll get well Jesus however was speaking of his death and so he tells them very plainly that Lazarus has died the point that I'm trying to make is that when Jesus arrives at Bethany, he has the power to raise Lazarus from the dead, and he does. But before he raises Lazarus from the dead, he has a conversation um, with one of the sisters. And Martha heard that Jesus was coming, and she goes out to meet him. And, and um, Mary remains seated at the house, obviously in deep grief. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had have been here, we sent you a note. Can't you remember? <laughs> you came two days late. He's already, in fact, he's now been dead for, for four days. He stinketh, the King James says. Um, he's already started to decompose. It'll tell us later in this text. But the point for now is, Lord, if you had have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Uh, she has faith. She has faith that Jesus can heal, just like you have faith. That Jesus can heal cookie just like the person who is in hospital has great faith that Jesus has the ability to heal even now she says I know that whatever you ask from God God will give you Jesus says to her quite plainly your brother will rise again but Martha says look I know that he will rise in the resurrection at the last day and Jesus then says this very profound statement which I think is intrinsic to understanding the great miracle that he does next. The great miracle, you know he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, right? You know that he has power over death. You know that that is the climax of the story. That, that, this, that, that, that Jesus has power even over death. Um, uh, over the first death and certainly over the second. But it's, it's this point um, that is laced into the story w which I believe John wants us to hold on to. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asks the question, do you believe this for a moment suspend the question that Martha had regarding the resurrection of Lazarus hey in fact the restoration of Lazarus if you had have been here he would have been fine even now I know that God can do anything that you ask him to do those things are true Jesus is about to demonstrate that in raising Lazarus from the dead but before he does that he says listen yeah there's a second death and I have life in me. And I can give that life to whoever I choose. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Cookie, the truth is, each and every single one of us will pass through this life. We will fall. We will succumb uh, in this first life. But there is a life to come that Jesus Christ can give us eternal life too. And the question, just like it was given to Martha, and just like it stands for each and every one of us, is do you believe this? Beyond that though, Cookie, um, Jesus does have power um, in this world. 
Um, and so he does. He raises Lazarus uh, from the grave. Um, he goes and he sees many people crying. He sees Mary crying. And the Jews who had come along with her are crying. In fact, they're wailing. And he was deeply moved in his stomach. It's a, it's a stomach kind of word in his spirit. And he was troubled. And uh, he asked the question, where have you put them? And Lord, they said, come and see. And then the shortest verse in the Bible, John chapter 11, verse 35, Jesus wept. Now, why did Jesus weep? Uh, I'm fairly certain that Jesus wept um, because of this pantomime of pain which was passing before him that had passed before the eyes of man over and over again, the death of people and this very heart-rendering scene uh, of a funeral. Jesus wept uh, of the despair that he saw. Um, and Jesus wept for his own friend. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? And then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the stone. Uh, it was a cave and the stone was lying against it because that's how they did burial back in those days. Remove the stone, Jesus says to them. Um, Martha the man's sister told him, uh, Lord, uh, there's already a stench. He stinketh because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so they removed the stone and Jesus raises his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you for you have heard me. And he prays. And after he had said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. He shouted with a loud voice that can reach across the chasm of death and call the death to life. Jesus calls Lazarus out of the grave and you want to know what happens. Jesus has power to raise even the dead and Lazarus raises to life. Now, ought that to be our expectation? Is that normal? Is that normative? The answer is no. Most people that die remain in the grave. Lazarus, certainly an exception to the norm. Uh, when Jesus died on the cross uh, that day, there was a mighty earthquake. The the a curtain in the temple was torn in two uh, and the graves of many saints were opened in Jerusalem and they went out uh, amongst the amongst the city and made themselves known. Uh, is that normal? <laughs> is that the way that God normally operates? No, that was certainly very, very exceptional. Is it possible for God? Well, friends, all things are possible for God. He does precisely what he desires to do. Um, nothing can, no one can stay his hand or tell him he can do one thing or, and not do another. God does what he plans to do. In the book of Acts, we see people raised from the dead. A man falls out of the third story or second story window um, and lands on the ground, breaks his neck, um, and yet he's raised from the dead uh, by the apostle. Um, we see the apostles raising people from the Is that normal though? And the answer is no. <laughs> and even those who are raised from the dead end up dying. <laughs> Lazarus isn't alive and with us today. Lazarus is in a tomb. He is passed from this life and entered into death. Um, and, and so as we think of this world, this fallen world, what we must reconcile ourselves to is this truth that the consequences, the wages of sin is death and we will certainly face the first death. But what we have in the person of Jesus Christ is the promise of eternal life, resurrection um, from the dead and eternal life with him. And Jesus even asks the question today, do you believe this? I know that there are a number of people listening 
Um, and I include in that uh, a good friend of mine, uh, uh, Rocky, uh, who has pointed out that I needed to drink some water, except I didn't have a cup of water anywhere uh, today, Rocky. And uh, there were a couple of tongue twisters that I that I had in <laughs> in the last uh, in the last explanation. Um, and a number of you are, are listening in, and you hearing of this 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 reality of living in a fallen world and you you listening of this reality of 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 walking really amongst the dead and living a life that will end in dead in death but friends here's the encouragement in Christ there is life and God is powerful over all things that does mean that when people are sick we do get to pray that if it be according to God's will that they be healed that they be healed I mean I firmly believe and see that even in the apostles um, praying for the healing of people uh, in scripture but I do note that not everyone um, in the New Testament is prayed for in the same way um, by the apostles and some um, have ailments which are not healed uh, in the New Testament uh, and and even in, in saying that when you read your Bible through from cover to cover do you realize how seldom uh, we see so, uh, um, um uh, the, these kinds of stories of healings uh, in scripture in fact for the first 2500 years of the history of man not one account of a healing i think the first healing uh, is um with uh, with moses recorded with moses in the book of uh, exodus um around the time of the book of exodus the, the first the first bona fide uh, account of healing 2500 years of not speaking about healings at all because it's not normative what is normal is for us to pay the wages of our sin but what is normal is for us to turn to our redeemer um, the promise in the Old Testament that was to come, the promise in the New Testament that has come, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world and to put our faith and our trust in him. Friends, I'm looking at the time. It's just gone half past ten. I have a friend that I'd like to introduce you to um, and chat with. Um, uh, Tolofelo, are you on the line with us uh, at the moment? Yes, I am on the line. Yeah, I can uh, hear you loud and clear, brother. It's great to be joined by you. I'll switch on my video if you need me to. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, then we can uh, we can put you on and uh, people can see who I am uh, speaking to with. Um, uh, so maybe just to say to to those who are listening in, um, over the next couple of months I, I, I really want to introduce you to a number of people from all over the country that are ministering in different places at different local churches uh, my desire is really to expose you to local churches and to get an idea of what's happening in local churches around the country uh, to interact a little bit with uh, with pastors um, and engage with them ask them a couple of uh, key questions uh, related uh, to the ministry that they are involved in uh, last week we heard from uh, our first brother uh, Sibu from the church in Mamalodi and uh, this morning uh, we have uh, uh, Tolo on uh, with us um, maybe you'd like to take an, an opportunity just to introduce us both to yourself um, to your family as well as to the church that you serve yes thank you very much uh, Mark. I've enjoyed <coughs> the, the conversation especially talking about Bible translations and all of that because that's, uh, that's my thing as well and I pulled out my CSB because I, I heard you praising it how you saw it's here next to me <laughs> good man <laughs> I'll use the CSB 
um, but it, it will be my go-to translation. Yeah, so I, I'm a feet washer at uh, Free State uh, Bible Church, you know, wash the, the feet that come there, the, the sheep uh, that come there. And it, it's been a joy and a pleasure to serve. I'm married to Gidu, and we've been married for close to 10 years now because it'll be 10 years in March next year, and we have two children, a daughter of seven and a son of five. And yeah, we, we just enjoy loving, uh, uh, serving the uh, the Lord and the lost people also serving us and loving us. So yeah, that's uh, who I am. And uh, I, I mean, in, in terms of the church, uh, where exactly are you guys located? When do you meet? Uh, what does a Sunday morning service look like and feel like? Um, what, what do you guys do midweek? Yes, we are located right at the center of uh, Bloemfontein. So we're in Bloemfontein. Yes. So, and right at the center of Bloemfontein. So near Mimosa Mall, it's literally just across Mimosa Mall. And everybody who is from Bloemfontein knows where Mimosa Mall is. So when people want to come to our church, we just say, come to Mimosa Mall and just look across the road. You will see the sign there. And so that's where we are. And it's close to the University of the Free State as well. So we, we're fairly central, we're in Brandwach, and that's what we, we do. So we are a very small church, you know, that, uh, that, that worships the Lord, uh, trying to, to mix the, the regulative principle of worship and the normative in traditional and contemporary at the same time. And, and we're very intimate because we are a small uh, church. But when you come into our church, you will feel that we, we are about the Savior, who died for us on the cross from start to finish. So we are Christ-centered in everything that we do. Um, yeah, so we, we have our services on Sunday in the morning at 9, and then we have Bible study at 7 on Wednesdays at 7 p.m., and there we do inductive Bible studying, and then we have street evangelism every Saturday um, at around 9 as well. Uh, and then um, Sunday uh, evenings, that is every first Sunday of the month we have the Lost Supper that is communion and every last Sunday of the month we have a prayer meeting which is really focused on missions because we want to get involved in the gospel work and what God is doing and to also encourage our own members to become missionaries uh, taking the gospel to the lost so that people may obey the Lord Jesus Christ as Paul says in Romans chapter 1 and so yeah that's who we are and that's what we do we, we preach the bible and uh, only the bible hey a couple of things interest me um as you were talking by the way you got a voice for radio brother i could listen to you all day long um but a couple of things that you said i, it, I, love yours. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, yeah, i enjoy yours <laughs> uh, a couple, couple of things that you said interested me uh, the one i just want to pick up a little bit on so weekly you guys do street evangelism Yes. Okay. So, so I mean, what does that look like? Um, uh, how, how do how do you engage in street evangelism? I'm I'm fascinated. Yeah. So it's it's led by uh, my associate pastor Deboho. Yes. Who uh, takes a group of young men basically in the church, and they just just outside because we have you know a lot of movement because we are right next to the mall, so people come. And go, yes. and so we have many who pass there. We have street vendors, and we have you know Chesanyama uh, Bry next to the road. So there are many people that we uh, can interact with. So they meet with people as they pass, and we do it close to the church so that we can just say you know if we need a church, here we are. 
just across the road and there we just stop people ask who you are what do you do where you come from and and take it from there in in sharing the gospel with uh, with the people that we meet there so it's a one-on-one um, kind of gospel evangelism that we do so in the in the past particularly at crystal park we engaged in two forms of uh, of of that kind of evangelism the one was door to door we'd just go door to door knock on doors on sundays and uh, and then share the gospel as and when we could um or, or walk the streets and find clusters of people and share the gospel uh, the other one was was kind of uh, hard street preaching so find a corner where there's where there's some level of busyness and, and then preach the gospel and take an opportunity to preach the gospel um i didn't find them I found them very beneficial to myself personally. They really did build my faith, gave me opportunities to preach and to proclaim and gave others opportunities as well. But we didn't, we we often didn't see as much um, uh, folk coming into the local church as we did through other mechanisms like people inviting family and friends to church. Uh, do you guys find it any different uh, in Bloom or, or is it fairly similar? It's, it's fairly similar. In fact, we have many times talked about changing, you know, the, the approach uh, because, yeah, most people who come it's through invites or people that we know personally, it's never from state evangelism, but we would hope that people would come from there. But, you know, as we are seeking the Lord, we, we don't want to just sit and do nothing. So that's I why like we that. took on this initiative to, yes. to still share the so, my, so my, my personal approach yeah. you know, is to get to know somebody and get to know them really, really well, yes. invite them to know who they are and just be interested in their lives holistically, whether they study, they work or unemployed, whatever they do, and, and, and show them the, the care and love that I have for them as, as a whole person and not just that I care about whether you're saved or not. So yeah. my approach is a kind of a slow approach, which yes. is why I do one-on-one a lot. Yeah. I invite people to go out with them, visit them, see them so that this person can see and know that you know, you know Tola, I think I'm I'm probably fairly similar to you. Uh, well, look, I, yeah. I I I pretty much try and do whatever I can do, but um, fairly similar to you. I mean, this this past week, befriended um, uh, a guy at our local um, Indian cuisine uh, establishment where we went and got Indian food. Um, although he certainly is a believer, and uh, and we had a great gospel conversation, um, but also took my son for a haircut um to a to a local barber because he needed a fade with a with a lightning bolt down the side dad that's what i want a lightning bolt down yeah very very in fact you could have had your could have had your haircut that's crazy if my wife is listening in you uh, she'll uh, she'll point out your hair your haircut uh, right now to him so he got a very similar cut to you fade up the side lightning bolt on the on the one side that he keeps it whenever he talks he, he leans to the side so that people can see his lightning bolt it's so cute, um, but um, and and then had a great conversation with with uh, with our barber um, Abdul and uh, was able to interact and engage with him and uh, we'll certainly make the opportunity to go and speak to him again um, and 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 obviously aim. I mean, I presented myself as a pastor at, uh, at a church and and we'll try and steer the conversations toward the gospel uh, as best as I can. Um, but I do think that that is a great mechanism for. For, for interacting and engaging with people and introducing them both to the person of Jesus Christ but also to Bible-believing churches. Um, I do like 
the street preaching and uh, hard door-to-door evangelism and um, because you are right it it it, it makes use of an, of opportunities and sometimes we just sit on our laurels um and we're not too sure where to start well the bible certainly gives us um a great um, uh, great examples in the person of Paul and the person of people uh, Peter uh, and their preaching in the agoras and so I, I quite like I quite like street evangelism as well um, and it can be really exciting and fun we have an E3 team at church um, and they do kind of training for street evangelism and it's and it's always great to see how excited people get about the presentation of the gospel when they know it Yes, it does give people the courage as well because when you interact with different people, you sort of get to know the different answers and then also prepares, you know, the the unbelievers to be courageous and share the gospel and be ready to give, you know, explanations for some of the kind of challenging questions that might come even in the future when they have one-on-one situations. So it is beneficial. So even if we don't see, you know, kind of the the results that we want to see immediately like people coming to church the next day sometimes they will honor the invitation and never come again but it certainly does give the, the believers the um, you know the um, the courage to share the gospel um, and be comfortable at it now help me out yeah so you and I, I I think hold to some peculiar distinctives um, as a uh, as a kind of a family of churches, one of them would be expository preaching, um, the mechanism by which we preach on a given Sunday, uh, making the main point of a passage of scripture, the main point of our sermon, and then applying it into the hearts of those who are gathered. Um, but what are you currently preaching? Now, you, you actually might say, well, Mark, actually, we, we, we're doing a topical series at the moment, and, and that's fine as well. But what, what are you guys currently preaching through? What, why are you preaching through that? What are you planning on doing in terms of sermons um, uh, next year in 2023? Um, yeah, well, talk a little bit about the, the, the preaching philosophy and styles uh, that, and, and content that you're currently doing. Yes, you're very right, you know, prophetic, that uh, at this moment we are doing topical because, yeah, you know, people are away, it's holidays. But, uh, you know, I plan the topicals usually at the beginning of the year, knowing what to do in December. But the main diet at the moment, you know, double for the associate pastor is preaching through James. Yes. Uh, but that's you get the opportunity to preach. But the main it's a tough, diet it's a is tough, it's a tough book. I at least I, I found it a tough he, book. It was like heavy lifting exegetically. Like you, uh, just yeah. as a preacher prepping those sermons each week, um, you really had to understand both Old Testament, New Testament. Jesus and his teaching in terms of Sermon on the Mount and and then bring it to bear with everything that you understand from the Pauline epistles it was I found it a very very difficult book to preach through it is it is a difficult book to preach and he's doing he's doing a, a very encouraging job and, and yet I guess yeah because it is difficult yeah, it's uh, rich you know as you unpack all of those gospel truths yes indeed but yeah I'm preaching f- uh, through first Corinthians Okay, um, and yeah, uh, you know there are a number of reasons why I'm preaching through First Corinthians, and that's what we we'll do. Um, in in you know, when we begin again next year, we'll start coming back, and and it's because it's my favorite epistle by the Apostle Paul. Yes, I've been studying it since 2010, and I've read you know over 300 books or so on it. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so I, I'm giving to the congregation what the Lord has freely given me, and the second reason is that you know. First Corinthians, I think, is one of the the books that will always be applicable to 
to any church at any time because the issues that are addressed there, yes. you know, are, are in in every church or will be if they're not yet in in every church. So, yeah, churches will face those issues, you know, like sexuality, marriage issues, meat sacrifice to idols, worship, spiritual gifts, um, the resurrection you, you mentioned just now. You were talking about, you know, people dying and will rise again and. So all those, uh, you know, Paul deals with marriage, virginity, whatever the case may be. So, yeah, uh, that's what I'm doing at the moment. But I also love the book really, really well. And it also deals with, with, with worldliness, mm-hmm. you know, um, um, and addresses it because there is a, world, a lot of worldliness in the church. And the problem, and one of the commentators that I read said, you know, the problem with Corinth was not that the, the church was in Corinth, it's because too much of Corinth was in the church. And so... We want to do with that, um, yeah. But yeah, the, the the most important reason. I love that. I love that quote, by the way. Uh, uh, that's like excellent. We we're working through the book of uh, One Corinthians in our evening service as well, and everything that you have just said resonates resonates with me. Um, uh, just the, the 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 Paul's kind of approach to worldliness. Paul's approach to. Um, uh, to uh, e- ecclesiology, uh, to practice, right practice, worship in the church, all of these things just so helpfully laid down in the book of 1 Corinthians. I can I can see why you'd be attracted to it. I'm a little bit jealous yeah, of how much time you've you spent prepping um, for a sermon series. Like normally I get a couple of months to prep for a sermon series. Uh, the idea of having spent uh, like a decade prepping for a sermon series, that's great. Uh, what kind of pace are you going through 1 Corinthians? Yeah, I mean, I, obviously I, I, I work from the, the, you know, very I'm very privileged to, to be able to just read the Greek, you know, without the English. So I... I don't know when I read the English Bibles. It's usually by Friday or Saturday. So I've been working on it uh, um, straight from the Greek text. So it, it takes me a while, but I really enjoy, you know, spending time there. But but I wanted to say the two most important reasons why I'm preaching the book are, are the inspired reasons in the text itself. Mm. You know, First Corinthians chapter one verse eleven that tells us that Chloe's people. You know, reported to Paul about the problems in the church, and so Paul is responding to those problems. Yes, and also the the, um, the text beginning with First Corinthians chapter seven, verse one, chapter seven, verse twenty-five, eight, one, twelve, one, eleven, one, so on and so forth. That that begin with now concerning things about which you wrote. So those are the inspired reasons that you know I, I preach the um, uh, the book for, uh, besides the practical ones that that are helpful, but. Yeah, uh, the book uh, tells itself why it's written. So uh, we want to stick to why the book is written. And, and where, 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 are, where are you currently in the book? I just finished chapter two, so we're going to get into chapter three. And chapter okay. chapter two was really important and challenging yes. uh, because um, it it helped us to deal with kind of the problem that Paul um, dealt with there of division and how he saw himself just as a servant, and that helps us to even deal with how. I think the problem in evangelicalism of maybe inadvertently, you know, um, idolizing, you know, certain preachers, people yeah. not honoring the pastors who pour themselves um, into their lives daily, you know, yes. on their statuses, they quote pastors here and there, yes. yet you mark, you prepare for your people, you, you, you pray about them, you pray for them, you meet with them, and, and uh, God gives you a message to deliver to you, so... Paul was kind of saying, but what is Apollos? What is Paul? What what are we? We're just mere servants. 
do not elevate anyone above any other because God is the one who is at work. So just use that to say, let's honor pastors and let's take the, the pastors really seriously that God has given us to shepherd the church because we, we have the message um, and we know the congregation very well, which is why towards the, uh, when I've had, when I have my outline prepared, sermons, all those things, then I pull out the, the list of the names of the people at church, pray through them, yes. thinking about some aspect that I find in the text that may be applicable to so-and-so and see how to help them. So, so that helped to say to people, you know, really we preach the gospel and that's the main thing. Mm. But most importantly, we do it for you yes. because we're thinking about you uh, as, as the as the uh, members of the congregation. So, yeah, that's where we are. And I'm excited for, for Chapter 3. Uh, that will start maybe early February or so. So we've hit the first 10 chapters in 2022. And uh, <coughs> yeah, very early in 2023, we're going to be... We're going to be hitting now concerning the spiritual gifts, <laughs> chapter 12, uh, 13 and 14. And I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, really looking forward to going through that with a fine tooth comb again um, and yes. uh, and being yeah. built up um, both in faith and in practice. Because I, th- I think uh, as you get to those chapters, I, I think we, we kind of we kind of focus on on uh, speaking in tongues when we get there but uh, I'm fairly certain that Paul has worship uh, in mind particularly in chapter 14 and so much to learn yeah Um, Yeah, people have asked asked me questions about you know those things in 1 Corinthians 12 and I always say to them we'll get there I've not answered a single one about what's in there I've said you know trust the exegesis because while we, we preach, we also teach to interpret the Bible. Let's see how we get to chapter 12 and, you know, chapter 12 to 14. <laughs> because, yeah, because Paul has oh, yeah. a rhythm. I mean, he, he really has a rhythm. He's being very intentional as he's answering each one of these questions. And he's building a, he, he's got a great logical argument which flows the whole way through the scripture. And, and it is, uh, I mean, we were talking about reading the Bible and reading it in context. Um, 1 Corinthians is another great example of a book where you really want to read the whole book so that you can understand the mechanism that Paul is using to transfer this information across to people, not individual verses which are often quoted out of context uh, and then you, you miss out. So, uh, yeah, because the important thing is why is he saying this and why is he saying it here? Yes. And, and we want to do that every time. You know, and... Uh, Brother, where's God at work in your community, uh, your church, your city? Yeah, so uh, I mean, we we have to really be, uh, um, you know, consider, or we have to consider ourselves as a as a transient city because Bloemfontein is a is a difficult city. Um, But yeah, uh, during the holidays, about eighty percent of the people leave, so we are really, Hmm. um, you know, focusing on knowing that people will leave. Very yes. difficult to find jobs here. Yes. And if students come, they, they come and go. So where God is at with us now is to teach us to, to prepare people to be healthy church members while we still have them. Yes. So that they can be healthy church members at healthy churches wherever God may sem- send them to, to, to serve. So that's what we, we see. But there's also also a great need in the church, obviously um, in, in the city um, um, you know, as a whole. Yeah, so we have challenges in the church, you know, of, of commitment, um, um, financial difficulties, which, you know, the country is struggling, so that will affect the church as well. Um, and then in our church also, you know, when people come, it's very difficult to find people who are like-minded 
that you can bond with and say, you know, we are in the same kind of stages of life or fields of study or whatever the case may be because we are such a small church. But what unites us is, is the gospel and that's something that really holds us together um, and, and the savior that we, uh, that we worship. Um, and yeah, so we, we are about, you know, encouraging people to, to be part of the bigger picture of why God made us in his image and likeness to be, to be part of, of taking the gospel to the world to show people who God is. And so from this small church, we want to, to, to be, you know, like God wants us to be. And that's, that's where we are. And so, but there are more, there are more ups than downs, but unfortunately, you know, we remember more the downs than the ups. And when they're, they're encouraging people and discouraging people, you, you go home thinking about discouraging ones and you forget the encouraging ones. And the Lord has helped me to, to really repent of that and shepherd people well. Sometimes one person and then it feels like it's the whole congregation. So, yeah, so we, we, are, we have the normal struggles. We're a small church, but we have big church problems. Like, <laughs> Church, 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 church is church. I mean, I've I've been I've been at churches of five people, and I've been at churches of hundreds and hundreds of people. And the reality is, there are common denominators which are thread the whole way through because people are people. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I mean, there might be someone listening, or I, I just actually assume that there's someone listening in Bloemfontein uh, that might be looking for a church for Christmas, uh, might be looking for a church. Um, uh, a, a local church where, where they can attend a Bible teaching church, a, a, a church which loves God's word and loves ex- the expounding of God's word. Um, maybe give a listener who's living near your church a, a, a reason to come and consider visiting you. Yes, uh, yeah, you will find you know a church that is serious about why we are made in the image and likeness of God and why we care for humanity. We understand that we are commissioned to be image bearers of God displaying the gospel daily, you know, in, in our social, economic, political areas. So when you come to our church, that's that's what we'll train you to be. We'll train you to, to study the Bible yourself, to know it yourself. We will train you and teach you to know that, you know, it is not by your works that you're saved, but by the substitutionary death of the Lord Jesus Christ and understand that message really well to take it to the world. And, um, yeah, we, we, we that's who we are. And that's um, who will be. And when you come, that's what you're going to hear. And uh, God will allow you to use the gifts that you have because being a small church, it means that, you know, there's a lot of room for people to use their gifts. Um, if you have any gifting, like for music, for example, you, you, you'll be needed. And so that's why we need people to uh, to attend our church. But this coming uh, Sunday for Christmas, uh, I will um, invite people to come and hear something maybe... A little unusual for Christmas, um, speaking about abortion. But there is a there's a good reason why um, I'll be preaching from Genesis chapter one twenty six to twenty eight on abortion because there it really touches on you know why Jesus came, you know, and uh, Jesus came as a baby and God chose to send him as an embryo into the world and he chose to suffer and you know uh, and that's why human beings should be in the world and so. The image of God that we see, Jesus being the image of God and us being image bearers, really says that we should love humanity and see humanity for why, you know, for what it is, and and really, um, yeah, 
So, well, uh, um, so it has been good. Yeah. It has been good chatting to you. I, I am looking forward to seeing you in 2023. I think since uh, COVID, uh, I've not actually had the opportunity to see you face to face. I used to yeah, see you quite a bit before that. Yeah. But maybe to the listeners, you have been listening to Table Talk with me, your host, Mark, and we're going to be going to news shortly. And so until next week, Friday, do you walk wisely, do you live holy, and do you testify zealously. God bless.